Well, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Sal? It's a great day. We're in the podcast it room. It is. It's spring. We're. It doesn't feel like it, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and you know, we we say everybody, every guest is special. We have a real special guest with us. Came all the way from Minnesota. Thank you, Anton Sean, and he is the senior director of uh, strategy and business development. Is that correct, Anton? I, I think that's how the paycheck gets <laughs> with Winfield. With Winfield. Yes. With Winfield. That's correct. Anton, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your career and how you ended up in the podcast room today. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to uh, present to the CEO council at uh, Winfield, and uh, Harold was there. And then uh, he asked me to come and visit you all. Um, and um, I said, can I say no? He's like, no. <laughs> and then yeah, well, Sal he, said, yeah, yeah you got to do the podcast we, too. Yeah. <laughs> we, Same. Same. <laughs> sir, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your career before you started with Winfield. Yeah, you bet. So my claim to fame is I helped uh, take uh, Mosaic public from Cargill. And uh, that was a great ride. Uh, unfortunately, some folks decided to relocate headquarters to Florida and my wife said, you can pick up your uh, stuff, pack your car, and move that down there by yourself. So uh, I had to get a new job, and luckily one filled with iron. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. So that was it. But uh, five years in, still having a little bit of fun. Um, I'm, a, I'm a finance nerd by, uh, by nature, so this is a new gig for me, um, which is kind of fun i get to see some customers took a picture of john mellencamp's house on the yeah. way here so it's uh it's better than the spreadsheet i was doing just uh about a month ago, <laughs> we'll, get, a month ago. we'll get you out of the office down here i like it now, now your podcast famous as well so. that's right well there's hey, no we, downside <laughs> there's no downside, no downside to this, this whole day yeah i mean you're with us all day so yeah this will be fun well i'll tell you we started something new here about what was it, about six or eight weeks ago? We started having a question of the day, Ryan. Yeah, beginning of the year. Sure. Beginning of the year. So we so we have a question of the day. So and we let the guests go first. Ryan and I will answer also, but it kind of depends on what your answer is because usually the guest takes the best answer. But think of a smell. There's that, not a good answer. <laughs> there's to this no one. good answer to this one. Anything <laughs> thanks, that starts thanks for with this, Sal. smell. <laughs> so what smell triggers you the worst and why? You got to go first with that one. Well, I know what mine is. <laughs> I'll go first if you want me to. I got, I got to go. I got to have two. One of them is uh, there's a pesticide called Sutan, Sutan, Sutan Plus, which they don't make anymore. I think that was Sandoz or Zeneca back in the day, and uh, it's got a very high, uh, I guess, vapor pressure where you can smell it. Right? I mean, even if someone opens a jug, and anyway, we had a load of impregnated fertilizer on a dry truck, and me and uh, one of my good friends had to scoop with a scoop shovel I had to scoop that impregnated load of sutan off of that truck and to this day i can't really think about that without mm. getting sick the other one is a boiled cabbage oh and uh grandma make that for you no if my mom would get mad at me whenever i was a, <laughs> when i'd live in a home she would boil cabbage on the stove and i would leave the house so that triggers a terrible response Cannot eat boiled cabbage. Can't I, stand I, it. I thought you were going to say tequila, Sal. But... Tequila? No, I can't. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> but that leads us to your question. So oh, what, what's your... <laughs> all right, all right. Well, mine is, you gave me exactly 30 seconds to think about it, but... Uh, <laughs> it was three minutes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's cow manure. 
And really, uh, and the reason for that is my very first job. And so, by way of introduction, I was born and raised in Ukraine. Uh, my last name stands for wheat. And uh, my very first job was on my grandma's farm. I was helping my grandpa. Uh, I was a cow shepherd. And uh, boy, a, to, a to, cow shepherd? Yeah, yeah. They would take him out to the pasture and then come back uh, uh, after the day's done. And uh, that's how I decided I was never going to be in agriculture because I couldn't handle the smell. <laughs> and here I am. Yeah, wait till you <laughs> see the rest of the day down here. <laughs> Yeah, we raise hogs, which would be, be good. We can take him into a barn now. We know it doesn't trigger a bad. We'll find we'll find out if that works too. <laughs> Ryan, uh, uh, gosh, uh, no, there, there's so many I don't like, but uh, you know, I think I think skunk is tied between skunks and anything sulfurish. Oh my gosh, yeah, Sulfur. I can't. Oh yeah, I can't stand it. The the egg smell, I just I can't deal with it. I like them. I don't like that. I don't like that rotten egg smell, and and uh, and one that I guess is just that's like three. But vitamins. If I have to smell vitamins, I'd have a hard time taking them. But ah, I cannot yeah. stand. I cannot stand that smell. What, what if it gets stuck in your throat? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you exactly what kind of response that generates. But yeah, so so those are mine. But right. I don't. I don't. But that's a terrible question, Sal. So Isn't it? I'm gonna be. I'm giving you full credit for that. Okay. One. So I'll take credit for the death row last meal, and you can have this one. <laughs> All right. That was a bad one. Oh, what was the answer to that? Oh, it was what would you? What would your last meal be if you were on death row? So it was. It varied. I think mine was spaghetti. I had spaghetti last two nights yeah, ago. Yeah, it it varied. I mean, I I said breakfast, and then our guest was. Um, well, she had a big one. I mean, that oh, was, she was, she was going to get limited. That on, was Katie. But no, yeah, there's no way she was going to get all that. But yeah, it was a lot. She just kept naming food. So I'm not, it would have to postpone her day if <laughs> she would have had an extra day <laughs> if she was going to eat all that. So anyway, well, Sal? Anton, with, with the global events, and uh, one of the things you were going to talk about on the podcast was uh, global food security. You bet. And uh, some of the global events right now certainly must hit you pretty close to home. So. Uh, I guess tell us a little bit about what some of the biggest concerns that, that uh, I guess our industry would have as far as it goes with global food security right now. You bet. And um, so I got I got two boys at home. They're eleven and nine. They asked me, Dad, what do you do? And I got I got I got to make it simple for them. All right. So. I'll, I'll try to do the same here. Is he so. trying to say something about us? I, yeah, so he's got practice talking to us. That's he why. thinks we're 12. Right. Exactly. Okay. Let, me, let me help That's you out. I get it. So uh, do you, you got a beer fridge at home, Sal? Do I? Yeah. It, it's a wine cooler. It's okay. a, okay. And it's my wife's. She has a... Yeah, she likes wine. <laughs> Yes. We'll just say yes. Yeah, we'll just say yes. <laughs> it, it was a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> well, let's ju- let's just let his me... mom watches, so he has to be careful how he answers this stuff. Okay, all right. <laughs> but let's say you know you have a couple every other night, or a handful most nights. You know, what, whatever happens, it's okay. We should have had Sharp on this podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How how many days of supply would you say you have in that beer fridge or well, wine cooler? A guy would he would he would usually pr- tr- probably try to keep a week and a half. Probably a week and a half. That's yep. a good number, right? Because you can run to Costco, pick yep. another twelve pack. No, pretty problem. good supply chain on beer. Yep. So I spent a little bit of time in uh, at Best Buy, you know, before Mosaic, before Winfield, and 
Yeah, a retailer turns their inventory, what, five, six times a year, a good one, right? Yeah. So 365 divided by six, a good retailer would have 60 days of inventory on hand, right? Mm. You know, easy math. You know, we like to talk about stocks to use ratios and all that fancy stuff that my kids don't understand. So I had to put it in perspective to them. I said, what if you had 18 days worth of food left? How would you feel about that? Hmm. And so if you kind of step back and you think about where we are and why food security is now a topic that comes up once in a while, we got 18 days worth of soybeans in the bins globally, right? Now, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen to grain prices tomorrow because, you know, the Fed can raise rates, we can have a recession, the debt ceiling, all of those things impact the grain prices. But what we do know is we've got 18 days of supply, right? Okay. And so to me, that's why it's a topic that um, is dear to Lando Lakes um, and as a cooperative and Beth Ford is spearheading this conversation mm-hmm. in Washington and all them places is, um, you know, we, we take this stuff seriously. Uh, because you all and uh, your growers are doing their part, and uh, we we want the the broader world to understand the importance of, of what what happens here, right? And that importance is um, you know all of a sudden spotlight because you know it's like you know high blood pressure. You don't worry about it until something happens, right? Yeah, feels like we're there. So uh, the things that impact that. I mean, right now, I mean, I think. Uh, and we've been watching the news in Ukraine, obviously. That has come up several times. And the what the Black Sea exporting, um, I think Russia just re-signed it. It was 120, day, 120 days originally. Now it's 60 days. And if you watch some other podcast, um, you know, uh, Peter Zihan, mm-hmm. for one, um, he'll say that that's the next one zero. And uh, so what's some of the things about that? exporting out of that area um whenever if you take the ukraine and russia and uh, those those two in together are, are the number one exporter of wheat i think yeah so what's some of the impacts of this that's coming up that you see it's a great question I'm, i mean we're sort of politicizing uh uh food security right wow. and um there are some estimates by smart analysts that talked about you know, coming out of 2022 there's about roughly 300 million people where food globally where food security is a is a real concern and, and you step back and you think about it, that's roughly the population of the united states um and you know the the logical question is what do we do about this right and, and i think before we answer that we have to kind of talk about you know, why are we surprised that there's food inflation, right? And uh, to me, you know, it comes down to the fact that we have a world that's growing where population's growing in places that isn't self-sufficient in food. Mm-hmm. You know, to give you some stats around that, three countries produce roughly 65% of the corn that's grown around the world that 90% of the rest of the world imports. And so you step back and you think about, you know, how big of a challenge that is for us to continue to feed the planet and how important that is to make sure that the 
growers and the retailers that support those growers have what they need, you know, for the three to six weeks of planting that that happens every spring, right? What a challenge. So 90% uh, of the, <laughs> say that again, those stats, the three countries produce uh, 65%, 65% of, the, of the corn, that 90% that of the That it gets world. exported to 90% of the rest of the world. That's not sufficient. And they're, they're not but sufficient. They're not, so they can't grow any, basically. They can't grow enough to, to meet their needs. Okay, all right. And so the reason it's important today is, you know, we all are kind of focused on soybeans and corn, right? But let's step back a little bit, and I'll give you some nerdy finance numbers as well. Studying up on the plane, um, you know, the USDA came, comes out, and we all focus just on the corn number and the soybean number. Let's talk about the total basket of grains and oil seeds. Um, 16 commodities in that. The the forecast for the USDA says that the stocks to use ratio, back to kind of days of inventory, right, is going to drop to a little over 14 percent. Okay, for those for those 16 commodities, you're like, okay, well, 14 doesn't sound too bad. Let me put that into perspective. The decline in inventories over the four year period since 2018 is equal to roughly 79 million metric tons of grains and oil seeds. That's the equivalent of both Mexico and Bangladesh harvested acres. That's just the drawdown in inventories. Let me ask you another question. What does the USDA have in its assumption around use for this crop year for total grain and oil seeds? I don't know. They're expecting a 0.6 of a percent decline in use, okay? And that includes rice, wheat, all of the above. Here's a trivia question for you, Sal. Oh, boy. (laughs) In the last 50 years, how many times did total grain and oil seed use decline year on year? Hmm. Maybe two or three times? Six times. Six times. Six times in how many years? 50. And so you, you ask yourself, okay, we're starting off of a very low base. We've got 18 days worth of soybean inventories. We've got 35 days worth of corn inventories. And now we're banking on the fact that Brazil is going to go our monster crop. You know, some other stats that I've found interesting on, on the flight here, we're assuming harvested area in Brazil is going to be up 5%. And uh, soybean yield's going to be up seven and a half bushel. That's not a slam dunk, is it? No, that's a big assumption. That's a big assumption, right? You put all that together, and then you say, say to yourself, "Okay, great. I hope it all works out for us." <laughs> what if it does? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what if it does? <laughs> right. And so, you said, "Why? Why are you here talking about food securities?" Is uh, the answer is simple. I don't like living and betting on the calm, right? No. For sure. So as we think about what our production, uh, let's just focus on the U.S. for a minute. We have things like weather changes. We have uh, land ownership and usage uh, and regulatory things that kind of prevent. And and obviously, there's, there's a need for some of those kind of things. But what's front of mind on, I mean, land usage, I'll just 
it scares me. Who owns it? Who uses it? How that's dictated as we begin to put more and more stringent guidelines on what happens on that piece of ground, mainly based on who owns it. Mm-hmm. What's it front of mind for you? I think the answer is all of the above, but the thing that jumps out at me is just the unpredictability of outcomes given mostly weather, right? And so if you just step back and you think about the fact that we had a the number of drought events globally since 2007 has increased by 29%. We've also seen an increase in the cost of inputs, right? And I try to put my grower hat on to say, how do you sleep at night without the right risk management tools in place, right? Um, You're writing some pretty big checks in the fall and in the spring, right? And um, you hope the weather cooperates, right? And we all hope the weather cooperates. And to me, that there's there's an asymmetric spread between risk-reward associated with doing what's right and getting a crop in the ground and managing that crop and the support system that um, is available today to to the growers around this country, which is why we started our RX program. I don't know, Sal, if Premier is an RX yes. retailer mm-hmm, or not. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you all think? Well, I think it's a, it's a neat way for um, and to tell our listeners is that a lot of times to do the to do the things, and it kind of goes with what you're saying, Anton, is that the growers make an investment before they really know what their prices are going to be, mm-hmm. what their yield outcome is going to be, because there's a long way to go. We have a growing season of, you know, 100 and, 110 days or whatever it's going to be. We have a growing season, and then we make all these things to try to get the best crop out of the ground that we can and then we have to harvest it and store it and and handle it several times and there's investments that the growers got to make well the uh, the uh, advanced acre rx are a suite of tools that the grower can can say okay i'll i'll make this type based on the seed that i planted i expect this type of outcome but it gives them some kind of a warranty, I guess, that if they don't get the predicted outcome of yield based on their yield history and the trend line of their county, that they'll get some of that investment back. That's right. And um, it's it's pretty neat. That's the first I've seen it done. And we, we kind of had a pilot last year, and uh, and it worked. You know, we had up until Good. July 7th, we had, we had that drought. Mm-hmm. And uh, matter of fact, if we roll the clock back to July of last year, if you'd asked us on July 3rd or 4th, it was pretty sobering. Mm-hmm. You know, we were looking at pretty tough growing conditions. And then thankfully on the 7th, we had a rain that come through the entire uh, southern Indiana. And uh, that that changed everything. And if we hadn't had that one rain that come through, it, it would have been a whole different story. And, and we're seeing a, a lot of, we're hearing a lot of stories just like that. Um which is why I think this year we're going to be on 1.4 million acres uh, with RX, and um, you know close to two next year. And, and to me, it makes sense, right? You, we're we're pushing for yield, we're pushing for ROI, right? Um, and you start to stretch those yield numbers. Um, 
you, you got to put your money when your mouth is, right? Either either the products are going to deliver and you have the right placement, the right products uh, on the right acre, or you don't, right? And yeah. so I, uh, I think we need more innovation, uh, particularly around solutions focused on the grower in order to help drive yields so we can... Um, um, so we can get out of this due loop where no one t- no one talks about food security until something happens, right? That's a scary thought. It is. Yeah, it seems like a, a very short window. So as growers, you know, as growers go in the field, we're dealing with that a little bit right now. We just planted in some of the best conditions we've we've had for for a long time. I mean, for April especially. I mean, and, and now it's thirty eight degrees, and yesterday mm-hmm. it was forty mile hour winds. It was a huge wreck just west of here due to sand and dirt blowing across the roads and you know and, and you think of, as you think about all of those things we we did what we thought we needed to do to get a good crop out of the ground and now we've been we've had a little curveball we don't know what the outcome is going to be but it just addresses your question that all of those stars lining up record number of acres planted predictability of, of record yields and all of that stuff and we don't we don't have any idea i mean to base your security on that and right. and your your comfort level of how well you sleep at night. It's a little scary. It's a lot scary if you're in it. So, yeah. um, what are other countries? I mean, what, I mean, what's, what's going on in Brazil? What's going on in South America? What do we think about that area? Uh, it feels like I'll come back to that in just a second, sure. but, but to close that thought, I mean, the other thing we have to keep in mind, in my opinion, especially short term, right? Uh, soy, corn, wheat, acre assumption for 23 crop year in the USDA is up 7.6 million, right, acres. I was just up north at a buddy's cabin uh, north of Duluth, Minnesota. We got we got the truck stuck in the snow. Hmm. Yeah. It snowed another 10 inches. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, same thing with the Dakotas, right? I don't, I don't know if snow's off the ground yet. In most places, and it's a fairly flat area, right? And ground is still frozen. It's going to take a while for the water to go places. And so you kind of, once again, not a grain trader. Um, but what I think we got to keep in mind is that it's important to have a sense of urgency around these issues because, um, sure, everything could work out. Argentina, uh, Brazil could have a record crop. Um, we, we could have, you know, uh, we plant the right amount of acres, weather cooperates a little bit, no big deal. The question we're asking ourselves, what if it doesn't happen? And to me, it comes down to, let's talk about public R&D investment in agriculture. What scares us at Lando Lakes, and Beth has been talking about it for quite some time, we're investing in research and development, government money, at 1970s levels. China, you asked about land ownership, etc. China's now surpassed our R&D investment as a country in 2009 and is now spending twice as much. Innovation matters. Getting innovation on the acre with the right risk management tools, the right financing uh, uh, vehicles as well. I mean, money's not cheap anymore, is it? It is now. That's how, that's how we start to solve and address the issue, in my opinion. Start at the base. Start at the foundation. You got to start at the foundation. Do the things you can control the fastest. Exactly. Good. 
good. All Other right. things? I don't have anything else. I tell you, we've got some. Uh, we could go in a long. I mean, there's a lot here. I thought maybe we could uh, get with Anton and maybe share some of these statistics uh, sure. as we uh, go through the podcast. And maybe put some of those up for the for the ones that are watching on YouTube. And uh, we'd like to tell everybody to like and subscribe if you like the podcast. And Anton, we may have you back uh, v- remotely. Yeah, or, you can join remotely anytime. Or so. if you want an excuse and uh, want to fly down here again, we'll let you come back down. Sounds we'll see good. what other famous people's houses we can get you pictures of <laughs> while you're down here. The priest mansion. I just want to see that beer, Fudge. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another episode of uh, The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. If you like it, please like and subscribe. Yep. Thanks, Anton. We've got a whole day planned, so we're, we're not done with you yet. Yeah. So. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.